What's up, guys? Before we hop into the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at House Lift Colorado. If you're thinking about selling your house but it's not in tip-top condition, how do you ensure you'll maximize your profit? If your house is in need of an upgrade, House Lift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. And get this, this is the best part. There's zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. House Lift will handle everything from the contractors to the design, all while managing the costs. Here's what you need to do. Head to their website, houseliftcolorado.com, or their Facebook page, just House Lift Colorado, and check out the incredible remodels that they've done for their homeowners in the metro area. In past jobs, they've put anywhere from fifteen dollars to $60,000 more in their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today to find out what House Lift can do for you. Oh yeah, and if you hire one of their preferred realtors... They'll sell your home without charging a commission. Let's hop into the show. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the curds from mile high. The best part of the weekend, hugging a perfect stranger as they become a friend, having a good time when the orange. Hello and welcome into another edition of the BSN Broncos podcast presented by Alix and All. Don't take our word on it, take former Broncos quarterback Jake Plummer's word on it. Jake Plummer, who was on the McChesney Unchained podcast yesterday, is a big fan of the Hemp Balm, topical pain reliever that has, is just one of their many great non-THD products. What's more, 5% of your purchase will go to a nonprofit of your choice when you visit elixinall.com to get yours today. Interesting conversation those two had, as you might imagine. I checked it out. Uh, it was a good listen. Um, I had many follow-up questions for Jake Plummer, but I assume he only had so much time. Uh, but but a good a good listen if you want to go listen to that. Talk about just two polar opposites that play the exact same game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've got like the calm, cool, and collected, uh, or collective, as Emmanuel Sanders would say, um, Plummer, and the whatever the opposite of that is, the fiery unhinged Matt McChesney. It was a good, it was a good talk. It was. Yeah. Those, it was fun. Um, all right, Zach. Well, there's been a lot of great conversation ever since this draft ended. And of course, most of it is about Drew Locke and that's just the way it's going to be. You know, I was on the radio last night and, and, uh, our friend Ryan Edwards was saying, I don't think Joe Flacco should be worried hmm. because he controls his own destiny here. But I just don't think it works like that. I don't think it works in the sense of like, well, all I got to do is play well and I'll keep my job. It's just hard to not see the, you know, the, the elephant standing right behind you. If Peyton Manning, if this was Peyton Manning, if this was Tom Brady, uh, go down the list of great quarterbacks, then yeah, they wouldn't be worried because they know that they have the track record and they're capable of holding a young guy off no matter who it is. But Ryan, will 18 touchdowns and 13 interceptions hold Drew Locke off? No. Will 20 touchdowns and 15 interceptions 
14 and 12? No. Okay. 27 and 12? Yes. Okay. And that's going back to 2014, the last time that Joe Flacco's been able to hold, would be able to hold him off. So you've had, what, five years in between that? And uh, Joe's a smart guy. Joe's a realistic guy. That's that's why he should be worried. Is yes, can he play to the level of holding him off? Yes. Has he done that more often than not? No. Yeah, he he should be worried. He should be extremely <laughs> worried. Maybe not about week one. Yeah, I guess he doesn't need to be worried about week one. Although it's not a foregone conclusion, in my opinion, that he starts week one. But he. He should be very worried. He should be. His his week was ruined. He will make $18 million this year with the Broncos. About 95% sure about that. Then, what do we, what, what, it's $45 million that Drew Locke is coming after in, in Joe Flacco's second and third year? That's what he should be worried about. That's a lot of money. And you know what? If he doesn't handle this correctly, he'll make it very easy for the Broncos to make a decision on him moving forward. Absolutely. If I was Joe Flacco, I would be thinking about that money next year. And obviously, if he's the backup, they're going to want to restructure with him. They're not going to pay him $21 million. But I would be thinking about my money beyond this year. Although maybe he just wants to start and he thinks, okay, if the Broncos cut me, I'll just go start somewhere else. Think about this, though. After one time when a team goes in the first round and drafts a quarterback, uh, Joe got another chance, of course, with the Broncos. What happens if... That happens twice, where in back-to-back years, he gets replaced by a rookie quarterback. Is another team going to want to sign him up to a $20 million deal? He has to think about this now in terms of, shoot, I don't want to be in this position, but if I want to be, if I want to get paid the rest of my career, which he still has six or seven years left, he may have to accept a backup role. And he can get $10 million, but last year, he all reports were that he wasn't the best mentor to Lamar Jackson. That makes sense. If this year it comes out again that he wanted nothing to do with helping a young kid, then what type of backup is he going to be, especially for a team that probably wants to him to mentor a young guy? I don't know, but you asked the question, who's going to want to pay him? Who's going to want to start him? Ask Sam Bradford. Because he keeps getting paid starter-level money to go in and get unseated by a better quarterback. So maybe there are teams out there. I mean, I don't know who the next team coming up in the cycle that's not going to have a quarterback is. Maybe it's There's always teams. the Cincinnati Bengals next year. You know, they they find out they're done with Andy Dalton and they want Joe Flacco. I don't know. But that I would guess, be unaspi- uninspiring. You know what? Joe Flacco needs to put on a face until at least the end of training camp. Mm. because you could mess around and get cut yep and lose all your money yep i'm sure there's some bonuses involved with training camp but i mean 18 and a half million dollars you got a you know a million and a half dollar check or close to it coming every week if you just play your cards right bring the competitive spirit but don't make it angry toward Drew Locke, and, and don't shut him out completely, but be as competitive as you want. I mean, we love the answer that he gave before the draft about how he's going to be so competitive and, and not give in to the young guy. Do that, but don't make it detrimental to yourself, Drew, or the team. 
I just can't. I did like it then, but that was before I thought there was going to be a high-profile quarterback <laughs> in the building. I I come. I keep coming back to him saying he's going to have to be on the field with me every day, as if that's like that's going to be a a painful thing for them. <laughs> you know, that's what it sounded like to me. And again, back then I was like, well, they're not going to draft a quarterback in the first round, which was true. I just didn't realize Drew Locke was going to fall to the second mm-hmm. round. Um, and so I thought, you know, okay, if they don't take one in the first, they'll wait until the fourth or whatever. Um, but, but I keep coming back to that. He's going to have to be on the field with me every day. And, and part of me says, great. He's going to, that mean, that just means he's going to be trying really hard. Then there's another part of me that's like, is that, does that mean he's going to be, you know, if he thinks it's a competition, why would he help his competitor? Gosh. And Drew... I mean, anyone in this draft class, I think regardless of who you had, number one, number two, number three, if you know all of these guys, Drew's the one that's going to live up to this the most and embrace this competition the most, in my mind at least. And man, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And I hope there's some emotions involved. It, it, it involved. And for Joe's sake, he's just got to, you know, make it through. What a weird situation coming up. Also, I just don't get the feeling that Von Miller believes in Joe Flacco at all. <laughs> what does that mean? Maybe nothing. Because but, before the draft, he was talking about Dwayne Haskins, and after the draft, the first person he talks about is Drew Locke? Yeah, he's asked about the draft class. He said, well, I just like the quarterback. <laughs> I, I guess it wasn't in that tone. He's like, I just I just like the quarterback, and then he kind of went on. I like Reisner. I like Fant. But I, it'll be interesting. John, uh, Joe Flacco and Von Miller's lockers are very close together. I wonder where our Drew Locks is going to be. I know where the where the quarterbacks normally are, or at least the backup quarterbacks. Um, but if Drew Lock is anywhere over there, I bet you're going to see a lot more of Drew and Vaughn hanging out than Drew and Joe. Well, or, sorry, Vaughn and Joe. It's telling. I mean, I, I, I get that feeling as well from the players. But, Ryan, we have to take a step back and look at how the organization views Joe Flacco. John said all the right things. Why would he not? What what detriment does it bring him to say, ah, we're not really sure about Joe at, at his opening press conference? And then after the draft, what, why would you why would you say damning things about him? That makes no sense. You gotta look at the numbers. Eighteen and a half million is nothing for a quarterback. They paid Case Keenum eighteen million dollars last year, way below starter and average starter money for a quarterback. They're doing the same with Joe Flacco this year when the salary cap has gone up. They gave away a fourth round pick in order to give him get him. That's that is nothing. So the organization truly doesn't value him that much. Ryan, the, the Broncos had an opportunity and, and still have an opportunity to rework Joe's deal. Maybe they can bring that eighteen and a half million dollars down, but it would mean more guaranteed money right now. It'd mean more guaranteed money likely in year two. Probably nothing for year three, but if the Broncos really liked Joe and they really thought he was entering his prime, wouldn't you do that if you were John Elway? Now, obviously not now, but before the draft, wouldn't you have said, boy, Joe, can we bring your, your cap hit and your average per year contract to $15 million over these next three years? And you know what? We'll give you $35 million guaranteed right now. All of year one and year two will be guaranteed. Wouldn't they do that if they really thought he was entering his prime? I guess they could, but it would be stupid. Why? 
lower the cap, you free up space. Now the three million you save this year and the seven million that that would be that you save next year goes to Chris Harris, and you don't have to cut Derek Wolf. You don't have to do anything. But you're talking about a guy who is probably going to be off the team next year. Uh, I'm saying before the draft. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, but they knew during the draft that they were kind of interested in Drew Locke. That tells you that that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The commitment is not there. And don't get caught up in what John says. Well, I wouldn't remember when uh, a friend of ours on the airwaves was <laughs> saying that Joe Flacco had all the, the leverage. Yep. And he should tell the Broncos he's not showing up until they give him guaranteed money. Yep. The opposite is true now. Yep. Why would John Elway pay Joe Flacco $18 million this year? Because he wants to win now and believe and truly believes that Drew Locke is a little bit of a project. Hey, Joe, I need to see you in my office. Mm. Listen, Joe, we like you. We want you to start for us this year. Mm. That 18 and a half is just not doing it for me right now. I got Chris Harris Jr. over here. He's an all-time great Bronco. Just waiting for me to give him a call. But first, I got to talk to you. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to get 14 million this year and that'll that'll be guaranteed. Uh and then I can only promise you about eight and a half next season. Sorry John, I think I I think I'm pretty good with where I, where I'm at. All right, Joe, um if you wouldn't mind going to going downstairs and cleaning out your locker, we're cutting you. <laughs> Why have that conversation now? Why not have it Right before training camp starts. One week into training camp. That sounds so cruel. That's what this business is. You got to have it now because you need that money to pay Chris. You don't need need it. But I guess if you know you're going to have that conversation later, you can sign Chris to whatever right now. And then, yeah, if he doesn't take it, then you just free up $18 million this year. But it the, the longer you wait to have that conversation with Joe, just the more leverage you get and I mean the Broncos are at like 90% leverage now but if you wait until literally no teams have any money no teams are looking for anything especially a high-priced quarterback then you're at like 99% leverage with him also if you're smart you have Vic Fangio from day one of training camp just gushing about Drew Locke and also at that point whenever you have that conversation Joe's still your starting quarterback He's not going to get another chance to start anywhere else if he's cut right now. Now, maybe if an injury happens in training camp, but then instead of cutting him, that's when you just straight up trade him if you're confident in what you have in Drew Locke. I think we're being a little too headstrong about this, but you have every inch of leverage. It's all yours. Yep. Belongs to you. Yep. So use it. Yeah. This is a cutthroat world that we live in. That's what happens when you don't have any guaranteed money on your contract. $18 million is a lot of money. Now, Ryan, who gives you a better chance to win in the first eight weeks of this season, Drew Locke or Joe Flacco? Um, it's pretty close to me. If it's close, then save the $18 million. That's a lot of money. And don't forget, you can use that on Chris Harris this year. You can extend players right now. Uh, Shelby Harris, potentially. Or... You can just roll that into next year, and that is just extra money that you have. You already have a lot of money that you can use next year, and that would just be, I mean, a huge layer of frosting on top of your cake. I just, I think it's going to be really hard not to think about it when um, Connor McGovern gets beat up the middle 
and Joe Flacco just has nowhere to go and like self sacks. It's gonna be hard not to think, man. Drew would have just, you know, given him a little shimmy, and been outside of the pocket and would have had a chance to make a play there. Hey, I'm all I'm all down for just jumping on the Drew Lock train and rolling with it. I it's it's something I've been on, and hey, I don't want Joe in my way. Obviously, that's not the way the Broncos are going right now. But also, Ryan, the conversations we've had the last few days, I think, have been more realistic than some other conversations out there about how Drew's going to sit for two full years, for three full years, how Joe is is really the future. And I just think you're believing comments from John Elway when what else is John supposed to say? Yeah. I agree. I think it's one of those things where there's a clock that is ticking already. It'll take a while before we know how how much time is on that clock. But all I know is that every every time Joe Flacco uh, closes his eyes, all he can hear is tick tock. <laughs> now saying tick, all of that, talk. is Joe Flacco on this team this year? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Yeah, I mean, he should be. Again, but it's up to him. Because if you go out there and you start acting a fool, and the Broncos could say, well, we feel like he's hurting the development of Drew Locke by the way he's treating him, well, then you become expendable. Mm. Because you certainly are not more important to the organization than Drew Locke is. Right. I'm going to ask you one more question because I thought about it yesterday. And... Nuggets, Abs, and Rockies fans are probably going to hate this. Who's the who is more important to Denver sports? Mm. Nathan McKinnon, Nicole Jokic, Nolan Arenado, or Drew Locke? The Denver sports. It's easy. It's easy. It's DL. It's Drew Locke. It's a guy that's been in town for six days now. Does, like I, I hate to have to make you say that, but <laughs> it's. I believe it to be true as well. Now, I get it. That doesn't mean that he's anywhere in the same stratosphere or ever will be. So let's make that very clear. All of those guys are bona fide superstars. Mm-hmm. But Denver sports needs the Broncos. Mm-hmm. And they need a quarterback. And Drew Locke's the person in the town right now who can be that guy. If Drew Locke is just above average, let's say he's a borderline top 10 player, then he trumps all those other guys who are superstars. Oh, and look, I'll even throw in Von Miller just to make this even. Right. Right. Then it won't all be about just the Nuggets or the, the Broncos trumping all the other teams. Yeah. Um, you throw in Von Miller, it's still Drew Locke. It's still Drew Locke. You throw in Philip Lindsay, it's still Drew Locke. And then if Drew Locke had can excel to the ceiling that I believe, which is absolutely a top five quarterback, then it's it's no question. Put all the other guys together and it doesn't equate. And and don't even, and when the Broncos are good, this town is way better. Businesses make more money, radio stations get more listeners, digital platforms get more subscribers. Bars get more drinkers. <laughs> just the way it works. The yep. place re- this place revolves around the Broncos. And I know a lot of people don't like that, but in the end, it's true. It's true. And so Drew Locke, without ever having done anything, 
except for a press conference, <laughs> is the most important athlete in Denver right now. Wild. All right, Wild. We haven't even gotten to the one thing that we had on the schedule here for the first segment. So it's not personal, Joe. Don't take it personal. No. Well, <laughs> you can if you want. Uh, quickly, let's go through each player in this class and just give a grade to the selection based on the value you think they got and how you project the player to perform over their career in Denver. First overall, I guess, first-round pick by the Broncos, Noah Fant. Ryan, solid B. Yeah, I was going to say a B plus. I really think Noah Fant um, will have as much instant impact as any rookie in the league. Hmm. Like... He is going. I think he's going to be a dark horse rookie of the year candidate. So dark horse rookie of the year candidate. Why isn't that an A? Because I just didn't like the trade back. Again, I have to keep my thoughts separate from each other. I like the way it resulted in the second round. Uh, I like Noah Fant. All of these things can exist. I just didn't love the trade. So what are we saying? C is average. B is good. And A is excellent, so B is great. Yeah. And I'm also um, protecting myself a little bit there because I would be foolish to not acknowledge that Noah Fant has some flaws in his game. Exactly. And and that's exactly how I feel. That's why it's a B. It's a, it's a very good pick. He's going to come in and be a very good player right away. But there are still some question marks. And in the first round, if you have question marks, then it can't be the best pick in the world. Also, it's, it's easy. It's an easy, uh, I guess, narrative to put together that that trade in the first round resulted in getting Drew Locke. But if the Broncos picked at 41 and still wanted Drew Locke, even if they didn't have 52, they could have put together a package good enough to get Drew Locke. Yes, absolutely. Always, you know. Absolutely. So it's not not that that trade was the only one, the only way they could get Drew Locke. It just ended up being working out quite nicely for them because the – average value trade in the first round was was nicely turned into a quarterback exactly all right round two at 41 dalton reisner it's got to be an a um it is a pick that really to me is extremely low in the downside category extremely low and very high in the upside category now it's not as high as, you know, Andre Dillard, maybe even Lindstrom, although I'm, I wasn't a big Lindstrom guy in the first place. Um, the upside is, I guess, low Pro Bowl caliber is where I see Dalton Reisner's, you know, ceiling. Um, and I could be wrong on that. Maybe he's an all-pro eventually. Maybe he is this year's Quinton Nelson. But I think he's a little underneath that in terms of his talent. I, don't, I think Quinton Nelson is like elite talent. Whereas Dalton Reisner is really great talent, so I give it an A, not an A plus. You also, ha- I, I'm not the type of person who would be silly enough to ignore the local factor and what that means and how it'll affect his presence in the locker room and his presence on the team and his presence in the community. All of that is is little bonuses, little bonuses. So I give it an A. A plus for me, Ryan. Everything you laid out. His floor is so high. I think his ceiling is so high. Maybe an all-pro type of guy, a Pro Bowl type of guy for sure. And uh, yeah, he's not the player that Quinton Nelson is, but you know what? You got him, what, 35 spots after Quinton Nelson was taken, so you have to take that into consideration. 
Everything about this was a fantastic pick. And I believe John Elway, when he said Reisner and Drew Locke were their top two guys on the board entering day two, because Reisner was my top guy on the board entering day two. Probably Drew Locke. Yeah, exactly. So uh, A-plus for me on this one. John Elway knocked it out of the park. And Ryan, 42, back-to-back, A-plus again. I mean, John Elway and back-to-back picks went A-plus. And someone, I think, reached out to us on Twitter and said, could this be the best back-to-back selection by one team in a draft? And I don't know the history of back-to-back selections in every single draft, but yeah, why not? I mean, we're talking second round, back-to-back picks by one team don't happen that often. And boy, if you if you don't know why we love Drew Locke already, then you haven't been listening this week, but there's everything about it. You potentially got your franchise quarterback, you got your number one quarterback, uh, and you have a guy who has so much freaking talent. He's going to want it. His leadership, he has the it factor. Ryan, to me, I see no downside. Why this will bring it down from an A plus. Yeah, this is the one that I give an A plus. Uh just because the upside is so unbelievably high. There's a chance that you just selected the best drafted quarterback in the history of the Denver Broncos. Wow. In the second round with your third pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. And someone at home is probably saying, okay, Ryan, chill out. <laughs> but the truth of it is, is there's not a lot of competition <laughs> yeah. for that title. Uh, currently, as it stands, I think, well, you're, you're, you got two cases. One is Jay Cutler, yep. who was not here very long. Nope. Two is Tim Tebow because he's the only one to have won a playoff game. That is wild. So those are your choices. The bar is low. The bar is very low. Easy for him to climb that floor. Yes, exactly. Um, so that one's an A plus to me. It was it was a coup by John Elway to pull that whole thing off. And if it would be pretty crazy. I mean, this this has nothing to do with Drew Locke, but just like the law of averages tells us that, that Drew Locke should finally be a good drafted quarterback by the <laughs> I mean, how many in a row have been misses? Yeah. Was there one before uh, between Tebow and Osweiler? No. So, I don't know what to call Tebow. I mean, he did win a playoff game. It's pretty polarizing. He was entertaining. It was entertaining for sure. But let's just say you want to say Tebow was a bad pick. And if you draft a quarterback, if you trade up for a quarterback in the first round, you're probably saying you want a franchise quarterback for 10 years or so. And there's definitely someone listening right now who's saying Tim Tebow would have been that if the Broncos didn't just jettison him for some guy named Peyton Manning. The the evidence suggests that no, he would not have been considering he didn't ever do it again anywhere in the league. So let's just say Tim Tebow was a bad pick. So you've got Paxton Lynch. You've got Trevor Simeon. You can spin that off as a good pick, but he still wasn't a a good drafted quarterback. You've got Brock Osweiler. You've got Tim Tebow. Before that, it's Cutler. Mm -hmm. So you're going through a long list of names who never became a long-term starter for the Broncos. Yep, never had your franchise quarterback. The, the 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 law of averages tells us that this one's got to at least be a long-term starter. Not even if he's a – he doesn't have to be an all-pro player. 
just a guy who who starts here for eight years. <laughs> yeah, which he should be. He's the future. John always anointed him that. Man, I wonder. Who, so the so the Broncos have never. And maybe there's a guy in the in the early days that actually started a bunch that just wasn't very good. Yeah. But have the Broncos, at least in in, the, in our lifetimes, the Broncos have never drafted a quarterback who started four years. Jay was only three. I think so. There you go. Yep. Wild. That is that is wild. All right, Ryan. The next pick. Draymond Jones still on day two. Obviously gets way thrown under the radar. What do you think? This is one that I'm going to have to defer to Andre on a little bit mm. because I wasn't um, very privy to Draymond Jones' game. Andre was. Absolutely loved him. Had him as a first-round graded player. Wow. That the Broncos got in the third round. Wow. I believe. Maybe it was an early second-round grade he had on him. Um so I'm going to defer to Andre and say that this is an A pick. Wow. And, yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree with Andre. To me, I'm going I'm going B. And the reason is because I like what Draymond Jones brings. When we saw him on Saturday, he looks like an NFL defensive lineman. He looks like he can add 20, 30 pounds and get over that 300 mark. But I can't ignore just the one year of productivity in college. And it was re- he had a great season last year, thirteen or, or eight and a half sacks. But before that, in his first three years, a total of one sack. And this is a guy who you drafted at least for right now to be a pass rusher. So just a little hesitant, but still B. It's a is good that, pick. Is that how you feel about uh, Quinnen Williams? <sighs> Certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it was a high second round grade that Andre had on him. He had him ranked as the forty second player in the draft. Mm. Broncos got him with what pick was it? Seventy one. Seventy one. Yeah. Thirty slots of value. Yeah. I like it. That is great. That is that is huge. And Ryan, we're through we're through four picks right now. Only two left to go because John helped us out. I love this class so much because I never have to think hard about who the players were selected. Exactly. I keep thinking there's someone between Justin Hollins and Juwan Winfrey that I'm forgetting about. John traded it all away. And of course, Justin Hollins first day on on uh, date or first pick on day 3 for the Broncos. Outside linebacker, inside linebacker, outside pass rusher, who knows what his position is. What do you think of the pick? <sighs> this one I'm a lower on. I'm going to have to give this one a C+. Just because I'm not a fan of drafting a guy and switching him to a position that he's never played before, really, um, I don't. I just don't know what to think of it. I just don't know. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not high upside here, because we have to trust Vic Fangio a little bit in saying Vic Fangio thinks this guy can play inside. Well, there's no one better in the world to know who can play inside than Vic Fangio. So. Maybe he calls a shot. He finds himself an incredible coverage linebacker who um, can also rush the passer. You got that? Tip of the cap. But because it's it's a roll of the dice, I don't think it's any anyone can sell it as anything other than a roll of the dice on this guy. I, ha- I can't give it too high of a grade. And I have to go B- because, it, like you said, you drafted an athlete. 
and you don't really know where he's going going to play. It's not like you draft him because he's such a dominant pass rusher where that's what he where he's going to play. But you got a pretty darn good athlete. What was the pick number? It was it was pick number one fifty six. Andre's big board one twenty six. Mm. Another thirty slots of value there. Yeah. So I like it because it, you wanted an athlete and you got an athlete. And Ryan. The last pick of the draft in the sixth round, 187 overall wide receiver from your CU, Juwan Winfrey. I got to go C- minus here, um, and I wouldn't blame anyone for going lower. I, I personally go C- minus because I know what people thought of Juwan Winfrey at one point, and that was that he had future first-round pick potential. That went... That was short-lived that period of time because he tore his ACL and he never quite was the same. Um, but maybe they saw something at that local pro day where they said he looks as healthy as ever and we're going to get a steal here. And with that, I'll give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. I, I think Zach Azani loving him is great. I love what he said that he's going to come in and learn everything he possibly can from Emmanuel Sanders. I love that Emmanuel Sanders posted on Twitter. Can't wait. Let's do it. Um, so there is a they reached big time, but there is upside. I'm gonna go D plus, and I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt with that D plus because everything that he's been in college would tell you this was an F, just because of the injuries he didn't have uh, production. But Ryan, I mean, you've done such a good job of pointing out what he was before all of that and the potential there. So if you can get that much talent and that high of a ceiling. In the sixth round, what do sixth-round picks typically turn out to be? I know John always hit on a few day three guys in the past, but to me, this is how I would go in most drafts, is I would just try to find, if there were any guys that just had a very high ceiling, tons of potential, I would go with them. Now, not with every day three pick draft, but I like I like that they did that, but it's still a D-plus because, Ryan, there's a we did, we, we've talked about it this week. There's a chance Brendan Langley beats him out and he doesn't even make the team and he's put on practice squad so and also I mean we pointed to Andre and his great work uh in putting these boards together at the time they picked him Andre had 20 wide receivers ranked higher than him at the time they picked him so it certainly was a reach and you have to take into the account that they traded two picks in order to move up What's crazy is all the guys that I wanted the Broncos to get at that pick at the wide receiver position in front of him, almost all of them went undrafted. Yeah, that's bizarre. Um, and all the guys that I had right there did go undrafted. Yeah. Emmanuel Hall, Penny Hart. There was one more name that I had there that I'm like, oh, this would be a good wide receiver pick here. Undrafted, undrafted, undrafted. And I, I it's so interesting the way NFL teams do this, but this year, uh, wide receivers and corners just had, were extremely uh, valued, extremely low. I mean, Hakeem Butler went in what the fourth or the was it the fifth? Yeah, Hakeem Butler. This is the dude who was on was some people's wide receiver one in the class. <laughs> one. Yeah, that's above wild. Marquise Brown, above DK Metcalf, above AJ Brown. Number one. When the fifth round or the fourth round, I can't remember. To my Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> that's crazy. I thought they were your Buffalo Bills. I can have multiple teams. Um, they're definitely my Arizona Cardinals over my Buffalo Bills. 
<laughs> you got a pizza on the line. So. They have my favorite coach uh, of this year that was available. They have my favorite quarterback this year that was available. And they have my favorite wide receiver this year that was available. And they have your favorite defensive coordinator that was available. You know what? People give Vance a lot of crap, and he certainly deserves it in this town. But the defense was never the problem of the Denver Broncos. No. He actually put together a great defense. It's crazy because someone tweeted at me when I when I tweeted something about my Arizona Cardinals. And they said, like, uh, Kyler better put up 35 <laughs> points per game with Vance Joseph controlling that defense. And I, and I responded back, the Broncos didn't give up 35 points a game once last season. <laughs> or 35 points in a game once. Yeah. No, the, de- the defense got the job. It didn't look pretty. The defense didn't look pretty at times, but then you would look at the scoreboard at the end of the game and they give up 16 to a good offense. You're like, oh, what? And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that they also had our guy Rob Gross- Grosso, mm-hmm. who was uh, Vance Joseph's assistant last yep. year. So Got a promotion? Yeah, exactly. Got a promotion, and that's why they're my Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> and they got Hakeem Butler. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, they got every wide receiver, so... <laughs> They do, and I love it. They're going to put on a show. They also got Caleb Wilson, who people believe to be the second best receiving tight end in the class behind Noah Fant. Mm. So you're taking take. You're saying take the over on their five wins. Crush it. Yeah, I I don't disagree. Kyler's carrying them to six wins <laughs> on his shoulders. He's going to need help to get to eight from from the other players. Yeah, six wins will just be on his back. Mm. 400 passing yards, 100 yards on the ground, four touchdowns. Man, if David Johnson can come alive. (laughs) Anyone in the BSN Fantasy League, don't you dare touch Kyler Murray. (laughs) He is mine. Better get him in the first round. I don't care. I will. I'll t- I'm not. I'm not taking any chances this year because I let because mm. I let Philip Lindsay slip away from me last year because I didn't want to be called a homer. So you're not John Elway. Yeah, you're not going to hope that Drew Locke falls to you. I'm gonna Daniel Jones the hell out of this draft. <laughs> there you go. Go get your guy. Kyler Murray round one. Philip Lindsay round two. Mm. Actually, that might be too late for Phil. Yeah. Who knows what, how how he's gonna go this yeah. year? Um. Wow, the disrespect for Phil. You're gonna Noah take Fant, Kyler Murray before round him. three. Mm, there you go. Anyways, what do you give this draft as as an overall grade? A. And, and A because they got the dudes, Ryan. And I would way rather come out of a draft with two to four guys that, that are going to be big-time contributors than you know one guy and then you have seven role players. The Broncos drafted 10 guys last year. They kept it concise. They got their guys. They weren't afraid to, to lose some of those picks to go get their guys. Noah Fant should be an instant starter. Maybe Jeff Hireman's the first one on the field, but Noah Fant is going to be the tight end that has the biggest impact. So I consider that a starter. Dalton. He's a starter. Dalton's a starter. No, no question about it. In fact, Dalton, by the end of this year, could, could very well be, I may just say right now, he's probably going to be the best offensive lineman the Broncos have. You get him in the second round, steal he can be your tackle steal and drew lock you got your franchise quarterback i don't care where you got him if you got him at 10 that's great it doesn't but you got him and then you add a situational two situational pass rushers i love it and an a solid a for the broncos it's got to be an a the only pick that you could really dislike well there's two and it's the last two in the draft so if you don't like 
Justin Hollins and you don't like Joan Winfrey, that's fine. What does that do? And I thought about making it an A- minus because of that, but I just thought those are day three guys, and you were so top-heavy in, in the first part. It just I didn't even bother putting the minus on there. It's crazy. You know who went one pick after Justin Hollins? Who? Blake Cashman. Wow. The linebacker out of uh, Minnesota that everyone oh. loved so much. Yeah. That everyone believed was a really great fit for Vic Fangio. And he took Hollins and apparently wants to play him inside. I mean, we were just, I guess we were just way off on what, what Vic Fangio wanted. Were we? I mean, I Vic I, said he wanted to add dudes. He told us that. I know. I know. I'm just so confused. <laughs> I'm so confused. Why wouldn't they take Blake Cashman there? I wonder if he's confused. Could be. I wonder if he's he took a step back. After free agency, he says, okay, still got the draft. After the first round, he's like, okay, yeah, it's okay. After the second, third round, he's like, okay, okay, we can, we can get someone. And now he's just like, wait, I can't add anyone else, really. What? what? Maybe they're the trade. I mean, the trade for Darren Lee, that's all I can really come up with. Yep. Maybe Darren Lee and Justin Hollins are your starting inside linebackers come week one. Be something else. It really would. Something's gonna. Something's got to give. I'd think so. But it's the time when typically your team is pretty much set in terms of starters. So anyways, you got four really good picks at the start of the draft. If you got four, four good picks mm-hmm. in any draft ever, yeah. it's an A. Yep. And so if Draymond Jones ends up being a miss... But Juwan Winfrey ends up being a really good player. You win. And, and that's, of course, assuming that the top, top three guys all are, become players. Just drop Draymond Jones out completely, and those three other guys are players. It really just comes down to one pick. <laughs> it always comes down to one pick. Yeah. You could have 47 picks in a draft. Yeah. And if you miss on 46 of them, but you got a franchise quarterback, you had an A-plus draft. Exactly. Yep. It's the way football is. It's. I mean, some people might might dislike that, like, Especially like a hot, I feel like a big time hockey fan, mm. where you got to have four lines right. of dudes who can play. Yep, it's probably annoyed that only one position matters in football. <laughs> exactly, but that's the way. That's the game that we love. Yep, and it comes down to one position in almost every game. Yep. All right, Zach. Before we move on, uh, I want to talk about Strava Craft Coffee, which most listeners know well, but. We've heard about some new listeners coming along lately, so I'm going to tell them about Strava Craft Coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so make sure you check them out. The CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety. Whatever it is, you name it. CBD is an all-natural and non-psychoactive ingredient, and the coffee is rich and tasty. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the code BSN2019 at checkout. And you'll get it shipped straight to your door. I'm telling you, uh, the CBD stuff is not one of those miracle pills. It really works. Um, it's at least something that you should give a try. Whether it's Strava Craft, whether it's Elixinol, whatever you guys are uh, uh, would prefer, it's something that's really worth giving a try. Uh, depending on you know, if you, like I said, back pain, arthritis, whatever it is, it can really give you that boost. I mean, I wrote a story with Jake Plummer couple years ago about about cbd and and he said for him just taking a couple pills a day is the difference between having to just pop advil like crazy just to go hang out with his kids so really something worth checking out over there 
with Strava Craft Coffee uh, and also with Elix and all, whatever it may be, definitely a worthwhile uh, supplement to give a try. All right. We got 376,000 questions today, so we better get into these right away. And the first one here comes in from Bleed Orge Blue. He says, I just watched the video of Von Miller calling up the recent draftees on the Broncos' official website. That call would be the best call of my life. Hearing Von Miller saying he was excited to have me on my squad. I love Von. He's so down to earth and a really good dude. I hope he stays a Bronco for life. He goes on here and says, also, the reason Brett Favre, the reason the Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers transition worked was A, because the Packers were still playoff contenders with, with Favre, and B, Favre was an Iron Man. He never wanted to miss a start. Flacco needs to have that mentality if he wants to keep his starting gig. So let's start here with the call from Von Miller. I, that was awesome. Um, I can't believe Von Miller, of all people, Von Miller is sitting here on the phone calling Dalton Reisner, who is a second-round pick, not once, not twice, not three times. He calls him – actually, no, he did call him three times, and then finally Reisner calls him back. And I'm just thinking, man, you imagine you get three missed calls, and you're like, who is this? And then you call back, and, and on the other end of the phone, Zach, is Von Miller. At what point do you think, okay, I got to answer this? I'm a second call guy. Mm. If you call me once, I'm not a, I'm not answering if I don't know the number. You call me twice, I'm thinking, okay, it's got to be important. And a third time, I'd be I'd probably be picking up. But third time my heart starts racing like, "Oh my god, who died?" To be fair, he was he was with all his friends and family, so he probably if it if that were me, once you get the call from John, you're probably still around your phone, but that just probably becomes you know, not a priority anymore. That's because you're a weirdo who, like, leaves your phone and doesn't answer text messages for five hours. <laughs> it's, yeah, I'm driving my friends crazy. But what was really cool was because he was with his friends and family, he uh, um, he said, Vaughn, do you mind saying hi to all, all my people? They're right here. Put them on speakerphone. Vaughn said, what's up? How cool is that? So awesome. Then Vaughn uh, hangs up the phone and calls Drew Locke. And Drew, for the first time ever in in my experiences, sounded a little nervous on the mm-hmm. other end of the phone. <laughs> yep. He was a little starstruck by Vaughn giving him a call, which is pretty cool. Uh, Vaughn is... I, I almost think it's hard for Denver Broncos fans to understand Vaughn's nationwide celebrity. Mm. Because in Denver, he's so beloved that it's like, oh, well, he, can't get, he can't be held in any higher regard. But it's a different uh, view from the national perspective where it's like he is he's not just a football player. He's a celebrity. Exactly right. He he transcends football. And that's why he's going to be host or helping host the Kentucky Derby on NBC this week. It's going to be something else. (laughs) Um, As for the Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre situation, there will never be another one like that. Nope. In 2019. And the amount of pressure and um, attention we give the draft, a quarterback can just never sit for that long. It's it was it really really was remarkable that Alex Smith held off Patrick Mahomes, and that's where we are. Is when it's remarkable 
that a veteran quarterback holds off a young gun for an, an entire year. I can't imagine multiple years. Let's look at last year. Baker Mayfield. What was it? Four games? Yeah. Uh, Sam Darnold. Did he start week one? I think so. Okay. Um, Josh Allen. Week one he starter. He was the right? guy. Yep. Right? Or shortly thereafter. I, I don't even know who the other AJ guy AJ McCarron? Ah, it was Josh Allen. Josh Allen, week one starter. Josh Rosen, week three? Something. Yep. With two guys in front of him. Oh, and let's not forget Lamar Jackson. Week eight? Yep. Or or nine? Yep. I think it was nine. Yep. Or Flacco played nine games and it was week 10. Whatever it is. Every single guy drafted in the first round last year got on the field. Now, I know Drew Locke wasn't drafted in the first round. But it just doesn't work that way anymore. There's there's some stat out there, uh, and I, I'm getting it wrong, but it proves the point of in the past decade, or maybe since Aaron Rodgers, a first-round pick has not turned in to be successful if they didn't start in the first half of the season. Or there's only been one of those guys, and that was, of course, Patrick Mahomes. So Paxton Lynch didn't play, didn't turn out to be any good. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they need to play, and that's, what, that's where all the Paxton Lynch people were wrong, saying that he has to play, you have to give him the job. It's that these guys show enough to become the starter. Did you know that Paxton Lynch has the second fewest starts ever by a first-round quarterback with the team that drafted him? Who has less? I forget who. Some guy I've never heard of, which is what someone 20 years from now on a podcast <laughs> who's a young and up-and-coming journalist will be saying about Paxton Lynch. <laughs> yep. They'll be like, wow, did you know James McDaniels has, has, the, has the third least – by any starter picked in the first round, then his co-host will be like, who was it? And he'll be like, I don't know, two guys I've never heard of. Nobody knows who Paxton is outside of Denver. Paxton, well, because of the draft process, people know the name, and it's, it's a recognizable name. A lot of, a lot of people are going to forget. Ten years from now, no one will remember who Paxton Lynch is. Exactly. It's kind of sad when you put it that way. <laughs> He's got his money, though. He's fine. It's true. Next question comes in from T. Wood. I was thinking of Langley's switch to wide receiver. I'm considering him as a rookie wideout this year. Raw talent and measurables with limited route tree and no exposure to an NFL offensive playbook. One of the biggest adjustments rookie wideouts have is being able to read defenses and make the right read so they run the right route. Langley's time as a defensive back should give him an advantage. If he can pick up the playbook, we just might have something. This is my latest optimistic thought. What do you think? Shaka, much love. Go Broncos. Hey, let's just hope he likes running forward as much as he disliked running backward as a corner <laughs> as a cornerback. Uh yeah, I think it's optimistic. He's going to be he's not going to be a complete receiver this year. What if after the season he comes out, he's like, you know what? I just realized I don't like running at all. <laughs> More of just a, a a rapper. Yeah, well, that's another thing that he likes to do. Um <laughs> Can you? Are you giving him that benefit of the doubt? Are you giving him the rookie benefit of the doubt? No, because the Broncos aren't going to. That's why he needs to bring something to the table this year, even as a fifth, sixth guy. But it, it, he needs to be a deep threat. He needs to have the speed. He's not going to be a complete receiver this year. He just has to show enough that they believe he can become a complete receiver while at the same time having the speed that no one else has or having something that no one else has. Look... Three weeks ago, I w- if you said this, I would have said, let's stop. Stop. 
<laughs> Brendan Langley's not making the team. And and I, I'm fully willing to admit when I had my eyes opened, he looked natural. Yeah. Playing out there when we were when we were at the whatever the hell it was. Um <laughs> they were throwing the ball around and he looked like he knew what he was doing. That's the best I can go right now. But that makes me that that makes me say the dude's gonna have a chance to make the team. That is uh, a fact. Yeah, and the fact they didn't get a any wide receiver this offseason until the sixth round, he's got a shot. All right, next one coming in from what are we going with? Vinny NYC? No, it's Vinny C. Vinny C fourteen. He, he says, goes on to explain. Ah, he says, Hey fellas, yes, my mother named me Vinny from Jersey. I love it, Vinny. If I had a nickel for every time someone came up to me and said, Vinny from Jersey with an Italian or a Jersey accent, Let's I'd try ha- it one more time. Vinny from Jersey. <laughs> there we go. It sounded a little British. <laughs> Let me hear it. No. <laughs> I'd have enough money to buy the Broncos and put an end to the ownership dispute. Wow. Anyway, do you guys think Lindsay will get more or less carries this year compared to last? I might be wrong, but I think San Fran ran the most two back sets last year, which can mean more carries for Royce. Asking for my fantasy football team. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Vinny. Yeah, to me, I think Royce is going to get more carries than he did last year. I don't know if Royce is going to eclipse Phillip in carries, but that means that Phillip Phillip is going to get less carries than he did last year. Here's the thing about Phillip Lindsay. (laughs) You just can't keep him off the field. You can't. You could try, try, and try, and try. But when push comes to shove, you're going to say, why are we running the ball and getting three yards when we could get seven? And so they are going to give Royce Freeman the requisite amount of carries to just make it feel like they aren't overworking Phil. But he's not going to get close to Phil in the amount of carries that he gets. I think he will. I think he's going to get close touches. I don't think it'll be very close. I think Phil, I think they will and should use Phil as a weapon, like we've talked about with a few other guys, he should be a running back. He should also be a wide receiver. He should be lined up in the slot and he should also be a receiver coming out of the backfield. We'll see. I really don't think uh, Royce will get close. Um, and the two back sets, I, I, maybe you're actually talking about two running back sets. I think what we actually may be talking about is a running back and a fullback because um, they really used use check out there in San Francisco. So I think that's why they had more two-back sets, but I could be wrong. And also, maybe he's maybe he's not meaning two-back sets, but just multiple running backs in games. They did that all the time. They also were depleted with injuries in San Francisco. So they are forced to use tons of running backs. All right, from Gage Ripka 3. Hello again, guys. I'm about two hours southwest of Chicago in Illinois. It's a small town called Ladd. <laughs> if you guys are ever in the central Illinois area, go to Rip's Chicken, by far the best fried chicken I've ever had. My senior year of high school, I ate it every day. Good thing I ran cross-country and track. Yeah, seriously. Anyway, he says, who do we project to be our returners this year? Honestly, I believe the holes in the team now are punter, returner, and inside linebacker. People will argue safety, but my dude Will Parks is the real deal. He shows that heart that we constantly talk about our guys needing. Zach and I don't disagree with that. It's just that the Broncos either forgot he existed (laughs) or are actively not talking about him. (laughs) It's, It's bizarre. It really is. He goes on, I was born in 1998, so I've been alive for two Super Bowl wins. Was he? I if, guess if you were born in January yep, or exactly. early February of yep. 1998. We're honing in on your birthday, Gage Ripley. We're going to call you out if you were born in March. 
Um, he says, I'm curious, when was the last time the Broncos drafted a quarterback that was a complete success for them? <laughs> Can't think of any at all in my lifetime. The history behind it scares me for Locke. But like I said last time, I'm becoming more optimistic about him. Thanks again for the hard work. Ramen is amazing. Team hash, uh, team Hot Pockets are delicious. I can honestly be swayed either way for the straw argument. I'm sorry again for another long comment. I've been listening since February, so I have a lot of things to catch up on. Go Broncos. Man, we love that you're chiming in, Gage, so thank you. And uh, returners, Ryan, I think we just talked about one of them. And it's not Philip Lindsay. It's Brendan Langley. Yeah. And he's going – That's maybe that's the dimension he brings this year is a special teams all-star that includes being a dynamic returner. Also, the Broncos added like 47 undrafted free agents who are small, <laughs> fast, wide receivers. So one of them. Um, They're looking for one. I can't even remember all their names. One of them is something McKnight Jr. Samson McKnight? No. From Samson College. No, Samford. Samford. Oh, we got a Trinity. Kelvin. Kelvin McKnight Jr. There it is. We got a Trinity. Uh, that sounds like a good return. Trinity Benson. Yep. Um Kelvin McKnight Jr., I believe, is his name. Mm. There is a, some film of him out there torching Florida State mm. in a game. So the the speed dimension for him is real. Like I said, you got you or like you said, you got Trinity Benson. You got another guy with a weird name from a small school. So all of those guys will have a chance to compete. I don't think you're going to see Philip Lindsay back there anymore. Um, Deshaun Hamilton, remember, returned a couple of punts last year, but it got him injured, so maybe he's out of the uh, equation. But you'd love to see some electricity. And at least on kick returns, Brennan Langley could probably bring that. Got to give a plug to wide receiver Romel Gruyere. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he's a little cheesy. But... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> isn't, isn't there also a cheese or a spread of some sort called Romel? Oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> oh, I think is it Rotel? Is that a there is thing? there is Rotel for sure. That's like what you use like Velveeta, right? Maybe I not. don't know. No, uh, Rotel are like the chilies that you put in the Velveeta to make a good queso. Ooh, yum. Yeah, <laughs> and I also his name is probably not Gruyere. I just don't know how to pronounce it. Gruyere is it G U R R I E R? Close. G U E R R I E R. Gruyere, Gruyere. <laughs> I don't know, but I bet you he's small and fast. He is, he is. <laughs> so all those guys will have a chance, just like um, Khalif Raymond back mm, in the day out of Holy Cross. Yes, Khalif. All right, going on here from Nacho Brad. He says, sorry if this point has already been made and, and I missed it, but Drew Locke could be something that L.A. and Manning never could be. A drafted <laughs> Broncos Super Bowl winning quarterback. Man, that has a nice ring to it. So much for my Flacco jersey. Damn it. Man. And wait, Nacho Brad, did you really get a Flacco jersey? <laughs> if not, good joke. If if so, I'm very sorry to hear that. Uh but yeah, wouldn't that be something? Not only John Elway's the, you know, the best quarterback the Broncos have ever had, but then he's the only one to draft their next Super Bowl winning quarterback. I like that. Um, that has a nice ring to it, just yep. like Nacho Brad said. Yep. All right, this next comment has become the love story of the year. <laughs> it's from Burrito Chat. He says, hey, dudes, I have to echo a few of the sentiments spoken by Buck and Bronco. Nashville was a madhouse. It was like New York on New Year's in Times Square with the aura of Bourbon Street. 
That sounds mm. incredible. Absolute madness. It was also one of the greatest parties I've ever been to. And that was mostly because Buck and Bronco is, in fact, one of the absolute <laughs> funnest people I, to be around I've ever met. We hit it off right away. And it just got more and more wild as the night went on. Thanks, Buck and Bronco and Sid. Meeting you guys was the highlight of the weekend, and that's saying something. Man, that is too cool. <laughs> he says, I'll end with this. Not a question, but simply a huge thank you to, the, to BSN for the work you do, for the community you encourage, and for connecting me to someone I now consider a lifetime friend. Oh, my goodness. Cheers and blessings. Man, 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 man. Burrito Chad is all about the love, and I love it. Fucking Bronco Burrito Chad. They, these guys are... Uh, are Put it, are taking BSN community to the next level. Yeah. Just became buds. Man, that is best buds. Lifetime buds. <laughs> we are the matchmakers over here. <laughs> Romance matchmaker. Man, maybe there was something to uh, BSN, uh, uh, a BSN dating life. Or Bromance Sports Network. Ah, there we go. I love it. <laughs> From Drop Switch. Hey, guys. I hope the day is going well. I'm really excited for the Sutton and Hamilton combo this year. How do you guys compare them to DT and Decker? I remember when DT was banged up his rookie year, just like Hamilton has been. But DT was fine the next year. Uh, who have been some of the best wide receiver tandems in Broncos history, in your opinion? Mm, I, I like that comparison of the DT and Decker as opposed to the DT and Emmanuel for, for uh, Deshaun Hamilton. That's, that's solid. How do they compare and stack up this year? Well, it's I mean it's going to depend on the quarterback and obviously how these wide receivers develop, but they they had some pretty good quarterback or they had a really good quarterback when they were playing. Yeah, I mean you're talking duos, but it's hard to forget the three amigos, mm. which were of course uh, Ricky Natiel, Vance Johnson, and Mark Jackson, uh, who all were receivers um, for John Elway. Yep. So you had the three amigos. You have DT and Decker, DT and Sanders. You have Rod Smith and Ed McCaffrey. That's probably my favorite. Yeah, yeah, that'd have to be my favorite as well. You had Brandon Marshall and Eddie Royal. It's kind of an underdog, obviously not the best one ever. You had Brandon Lloyd and Brandon <laughs> Stokely. <laughs> I think they were on the same team. The dangerous duo. Yeah, the brand, the Brandon. The shifty and the speed. They were all right. Uh, Brandon Lloyd had that insane season. Yeah. Where like he caught everything that was thrown in his within a mile radius of him yep that was crazy um so yeah i mean sutton and hamilton i don't think is going to quite be dt and uh decker i like i do like that better though like you said decker was so such a good possession receiver uh and he was very very good at getting himself open not very good at running um without tripping but everything else he had uh dt was a first round talent man a high first round talent so it's hard to necessarily put anyone in in that category quite yet just because they had so much freaking talent but i think if they can figure out how to get separation it'll be much better for them this year exactly right right on nick scott comes in and says i've got good news when Von Miller called Drew Locke and Dalton Reisner on draft day, it took them a minimum of three calls to pick up or call him back. Garrett Bowles answered on his first call when he was drafted. We dodged a bullet. Also, let's discuss a video of Drew Locke that Barstool Mizzou posted for a second. Without even playing a single NFL snap yet, it makes him an automatic first ballot Hall of Famer, right? 
Pretty sure how pretty sure that's how it works. In all seriousness, I value humor and people just being themselves pretty highly. I really, really like Drew's personality so far. And if his talent pans out, as we all believe it can, I think he'll not only make a great quarterback for the Broncos, but a fun, passionate face of the franchise. And yes, we're already on a first-name basis. Keep up the good work, fellas. Thank you, Nick. And you guys are just going to fall more and more in love with him as personality comes out. Yeah, we'll um, skip over the Barstool Mizzou video in, his, in interest of the children who may be listening. <laughs> but if you want to uh, go find out what that is, I'm sure you can find it. Just Google Drew Locke Barstool Mizzou and, and you'll find it. Just don't watch it at work. <laughs> yes. All right, next one's from Swedish Bronco. And he's got a questionable recipe for us here, Zach. Uh-oh. Start oh. with pressing five kilograms of pig blood through a sieve. Whisk up the blood with beer, milk, or broth and rye flour. Add seasoning. Put it in the oven for 60 to 90 minutes, and you get blood pudding. I don't believe it. Serve with bacon and mashed lingonberries, one of the classic Swedish dishes. Really? I'll try it. Guess it dates back to Sweden being a poor farming community after the Second World War. Got blood pudding on the school menu from uh, kindergarten to ninth grade. Oh, my god! So it's gosh. probably still served. Holy cow. I mean, if if elementary and middle school kids are eating it, I guess I got to try it. He goes on and, and wraps it up by saying, cooked blood cubes sound undelicious. At least we put blood seasoning in our... <laughs> at least we put seasoning in our blood here. Wow. By the way, I got um, a, a DM from Nick Cox. <laughs> he said, um, I need to warn you. Boiled blood is probably the worst, most horrific food on this planet. I had some when I spent time in Spain. Horrid stuff. He adds, Vegemite might be the second worst thing, and I'm not a picky person. I would try Vegemite before. If, if it was choose one of the two, Vegemite all day. At least Vegemite isn't blood. <laughs> I don't even know what it is, but it's got to be better. It's not the color of blood, so I'm okay. Ugh. Put it... Th- press it i just don't understand how this works i'm scared i don't want to know it's okay i'm scared (laughs) from omaha alex i get the feeling that log is going to be similar to rivers you hate that guy unless he's on your team awesome coverage this offseason especially for chiefs fans especially for those fans did you see he's already trolling (laughs) the chiefs fans he posted a picture uh or actually a boomerang if you're with the times of the broncos flag flying at his parents' house in Kansas City. with He made sure it was known oh, yeah. he was in Kansas City. He made sure to throw the geotag on there <laughs> that it was in Kansas City. He's, he's going to be great. You're going to love him. And the AFC West is going to hate him. Especially also the Raiders. They were linked to him a lot, and they passed up on him tons of times. This is a popular comment today from uh, Swedish Bronco. He says, just watch the Vaughn calling Dalton and Drew video. Might be faked because Vaughn knows he's being filmed. But damn, he seems so genuine and generous. All, uh, most of all, he seems to be as hyped about this draft as the fans. Sounds like he wanted Drew to be the quarterback and that he thinks Dalton is godlike. Love it. Yeah, it's, it's not hard to get Von Miller pumped about anything. Anything. He, he's such a fun guy to be around. Yeah, he is. And, and he loves the Broncos and, and believes in the front office to make the right moves. If he was calling the shots, would have been Dwayne Haskins. Sure would have. <laughs> right there at 10. Yep. 
Uh, from Colin from Mullins, he says, if Drew is starting so weak, it's going to be so much. If Drew is starting week eight, it's going to be so much fun saying Andrew Locke and Drew Locke. Yeah. Andrew Luck and Drew Locke. <laughs> it's easy for you to say. We had uh, some media members around us during the draft who were uh, who were joking that the Broncos just traded for Drew Luck, and Andrew just made his name short. Yeah. Um, Drew Locke's full name is Andrew Locke. Hmm. <laughs> Which is funny because his dad's name is Andy, so I assume they're both Andrew. They just right. took different halves of ah, the name. That's interesting. That's what I thought, too. Um, and his grandpa, Jerry, was mm. also a uh, Missouri Tiger. Impressive. From Orange and Blue Stew. Hey, guys, I've been so locked in on our draft picks, pun intended. <laughs> I haven't really considered any potential diamonds in the rough in our undrafted free agent signings. We've obviously found incredible value there in the past, so I'm always excited to see someone emerge out of nowhere to make the team. So my question, who of the undrafted free agents should we be watching in camp? Any far too early predictions on players that could make the 53? Thanks for giving me this easy question, Brett Rippon. Yeah, Brett Rippon's going to be there, and next year the quarterback room will be Drew Locke and Brett Rippon. And that's what they hope it is for the next five or ten years. Yeah, exactly. Or until Brett Rippon leaves in free agency because he's too good. Um. There are other guys out there. Like I said, Kelvin McKnight Jr. has very real speed. Uh, and they clearly thought they could find that deep threat or at least someone to compete with Brendan Langley for the deep threat outside of the draft. I personally would have taken Penny Hart when I had the chance. But they for sure felt, okay, there's these three or four guys that are all high-level athletes uh, and, and Rich Gangarello is not a uh, stranger to working with Division two athletes because he was the offensive coordinator at a Division two school. Joe Deneen right now has the highest signing bonus. Now, they've only a few have been reported, so just keep an eye on him. Uh, and also, Devontae Jackson is the only running back the Broncos have picked up this offseason. And you think, yeah, they didn't need running back. And certainly, I wouldn't have drafted one. I wouldn't have gone out in free agency and got one. But... Outside of Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, who are making the team, another Devontae, Devontae Booker, isn't necessarily a lock to make the team. Now that Royce and Philip aren't rookies, you don't need that veteran presence in the room. So Devontae Jackson's got to feel got to feel great about at least making the practice squad, if not the fourth running back on the team, if not the third running back on the team. And he's a, he's a small speedster like Phil. So if you want an insurance policy, that's your guy. Yeah, it's a good one. The other one randomly in the Bama boys group text in the middle of no it was pre-senior bowl Brandon Spano let me guess Jacob Bobbenmeyer the long snapper from UNC no (laughs) Brandon Spano sent us a video of a guy and said wow this guy's legit is he gonna be at the senior bowl it was Malik Reed Mm. pass rusher out of Nevada and his highlight tape is insane it's kind of very similar to Jeff Holland last year where you're looking at this dude's highlights of him just tearing up uh, SEC tackles saying, whoa, Broncos got a steal here, so keep an eye on Malik Reed. And the Broncos are also bringing in way more undrafted guys than typical. I mean, they likely it's the list is going to be at 17. Typically, it's around 10. Yeah. So it's not, of- it's not crazy that we're pointing to multiple people. Right, and last year, uh, was it multiple? You had Philip Lindsay make the roster, and... Jeff Holland made it later in the year. Yeah, he, he stayed on the practice squad. I feel like we're forgetting someone who made the roster. 
I don't think so. A few people dropped out early in the race. Trey Marshall? Did he make the roster? Practice squad. Okay. From Samuel Bisu. Hey, guys, three things. One, I think the draft was great, but I think the best move of the offseason is a coaching staff. I think we can finally develop players and not just hope they'll be good. Okay. Two, I was totally wrong about Vic being the smokescreen master. This guy just doesn't have any time for BS. <laughs> also true. Uh, three, the Broncos need to retire 72 for good. I still have nightmares of Donald Stevenson letting our quarterbacks get killed. Wasn't he 71? Yeah, I think he was. <laughs> yeah, him and him and uh, Bowles played in the same season right, together. Right. Right? Yeah. Maybe it's good Dalton's not wearing 71. You're right. Uh, well, that's Juwan James. Maybe it's not good. Juwan Uh-oh. James is wearing 71. He finishes and says, your coverage of the draft was the best. And thanks to Andre and AJ, I was very excited the moment the Broncos drafted Jones. Because without them, I would have never known who he was. Keep up the tremendous job. Yeah, if there's one thing that the draft podcast does much better than us, it's getting into prospects who will go in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round. Who would have known? Who would have thought the draft podcast would excel? I mean, the best of anyone not not just better than you and I Ryan the best that you're going to find with the Denver Broncos angle on it it's the best out there it it really is far and away and he says PS QB scoreboard this training camp oh yeah you know there's gonna be a QB watch on the daily we will be uh, why not score it sure why not score it even even though even though they say they're not scoring it John's up there yeah I mean I just think it's a good exercise for us to score it and let me, I will remind you as we get closer to training camp, we had, there was a, maybe the most veteran media member kind of tell us when we, when we were doing the scoreboard in years past, obviously not this past year, but every other year kind of said, ah, it's, that's too difficult to score. You know, how do you know what's how, how did, wasn't buying it. And then at the end we told him our final score and he said, that's probably right on. Yeah, that was a that was rewarding because he definitely was not a fan of the idea yep. before that. Yeah, um, and here's and here's another thing we'll have to keep in mind is that the Broncos aren't they don't want it to be a competition at least, and also Drew Locke is going to be going up against second teamers most of the time, while Joe Flacco is going to be going up against first teamers most of the time. With that in mind, it's like I said, it's a good exercise for us to know where they stand, because you know what if. And maybe we'll have to change the scoring system, which is fine because we made it up in the first place. We can just make up a new one. Maybe we grade each quarterback on their own scale rather mm-hmm. than, um, you know, how many points out of a total 10 because they're not, it's not a fair competition. What are, outside of Vic Fangio, which isn't something that people are watching and that fans want to know how he performed at practice, what were the two biggest moves the Broncos have made this offseason? Signing Joe Flacco and drafting Drew Locke. Bingo. We got to give the people what they want. The two biggest moves. Everyone, that's what people want to know about. So we got to give it to you guys. So, that, yeah, again, we'll probably have to come up with a little bit of a different scoring system just because it's going to have to be graded on a curve based on the level of competition. But I want to know who's having the better training camp. And it's very easy for us to look back at the score and say, okay, this person's having a, a, a better training camp. Exactly. Next one coming in from Nacho Brad. He says, hey, Spacebar, I wait, email. Wait, wait, you got to go up. You got to scroll up a bit. Oh. First one comes in from Spacebar. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was back. All right. First one comes in from Spacebar. He says, okay, I have to put this out. There's a really good chance I'm going to be moving to Dublin, Ireland, near, near the end of the year in the September time frame. 
If this happens, I have to find a way to watch the games. I, of course, will keep up with any information on my BSN subscription, but I need an insider to help me with how to watch the games and meet up with other Broncos fans. I, of course, will get into the GAA, the Gaelic Athletic Association, but I will always bleed orange and blue, and I need my Broncos fix. I'm reading out, reaching out to any and all BSN army in Ireland that may be able to help me out. The move is all but guaranteed, so I need to start my Broncos in Ireland research now. Thank you in advance, Space Bar. He also um, says, if you want to reach out to me, my email is scorpion underscore seven at hotmail.com. And, and I'll just quickly chime in and say our friends over at Broncos Europe, at least one of the guys over there lives in Dublin. Um, so he can absolutely help you out. And if you, I know you, uh, you've emailed me a couple times, Brian, so hit me up in my email and I'll, uh, I'll get you guys connected. Cause I, I am sure he'll know where you need to go. Yeah. But, and personally, I studied abroad in Prague in 2012 during Peyton Manning's first year. And I, how could I miss Peyton Manning? So I, if you NFL Game Pass is an official service offered through the NFL, I think you can only use it outside of the United States. But if you have just a decent inter- internet connection, it was a perfect stream of the game. It ju- you can only use it outside of areas where the game is being uh, broadcast locally. Okay. So if you're outside of the United States, you automatically can right. do it. But if you're in Rhode Island and they're showing a different game over there and you want to watch the Broncos, you can use it there. Too. And I know there was an American bar in Prague that was open crazy hours of the night because Broncos were always playing at 2 a.m., 5 a.m. And Nacho Brad says that he emailed you this information, but wants others to know just in case they need this help as well. Uh, two options. If you have a .edu email account, or if you know someone who does, you can get NFL Sunday ticket for something like $99 for the season. Being in Arizona, that's how I watch the Broncos. Also, if you know anyone in Colorado, buy them a sling box. I can't remember how much they are, $200 maybe, but it streams their local TV so you can watch anything they can. Once you buy the equipment, there's no monthly fee or anything. You just need an internet connection. Hope this helps. And I got one more for you that costs zero dollars and zero cents. <laughs> uh, Google Reddit NFL streams, and the NFL stream one is by far the best. There's hundreds of people on there trying to put it, put, fill in good streams. So if you're in a pinch and all you got is your laptop and you're sitting on your bed in Dublin, uh, you can certainly find a stream on NFL streams. It's pretty good. I use it all the time. In fact, as soon as we finish this podcast. I'm going to turn on the Rockies game on a stream because it's not televised here locally. Today. How is it not on TV? I don't know, man. I, I <laughs> Some people just can't be helped. All right. Why don't we take uh, a quick break to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, which is Weinster. If you're like me and you're trying to figure out how to become a mature, refined adult or you just really like wine, you have to check out my friends over at Weinster. Weinster is an innovative online direct-to-consumer wine club connecting wine drinkers with more than 110 of the best wineries in America today. What makes Weinster special is that the majority of the wineries they work with are too small to attract the attention of retailers, meaning not only are you getting access to some delicious and hard-to-find wines, you're also supporting real people making real wine, not one of the few large corporations producing one of the, some of the best, uh, producing most of the wines available in stores. With Weinster, all you got to do is sit back and relax as they curate a hand-picked shipment from the best small wine producers in the United States. Then when you fall in love with a couple wines, as a club member, you can have them sent straight to your door with no shipping costs. 
I personally love Winester because not only do they send me amazing wines and they're actually helping me figure out what kind of wines I like, they're also founded by three CU alums, and one of them is one of my best friends in life. So make sure you go support Winester because uh, if it wasn't for Will Whalen, the vice president of wine at Winester, I would not be on this podcast right now. Wow. What's the story there? He gave me my first gig uh, in sports media before I had any experience at all. Wow. He just tweeted out, hey, if anyone's looking to get into uh, journalism and wants to get some clips, um, I'm I'm hiring uh, for a blog I'm starting. And he then recommended me when he kind of brought me onto that recommended me to a guy who was running a subscription buff site to work with them too and it just went on from there well that is too cool did he pay you in wine he did not he wasn't uh quite the sommelier that he is now back then but uh so he, he he's the vp of wine yeah so he knows everything about wines oh yeah he is a full-on sommelier and he also um Used to, he did it for a brief time. He was in charge of BSN buffs here at BSN. Mm. And then that's when he realized that his passion was in wine. And so he left sports media to get into wine. And now he's there. Not a bad gig. He's done well. So support him because he is partly responsible for this podcast. (laughs) Also, he gave me my first ever chance on a podcast. Wow. So there we go. All right. Let's finish up the questions here as we roll along. And the next one is from Bronco Aggie 24. He says, Hey guys, incredible weekend with a lot to be excited about. I wasn't in love with Locke at 10, but would have been very okay with taking him at 20. We ended up getting an absolute steal with him and Reisner at 41 and 42. I agree, Bronco Aggie. The only question I have about him is how his game translates to the NFL. We just watched several years of the Broncos trying to force Paxton Lynch to be under center and learn a style of offense that he's never played with before. We all know Locke has the physical tools, the mental mental toughness and leadership and the chip on his shoulder attitude. But how easily can he jump into the offense that Skangs wants to run? Is he going to have to learn how to take 70% or more of his snaps from under center? Or are the Broncos finally going to create an offense that the quarterback is the most effective in? I'm also super excited for the Donkeys to play in Houston this year. Can't wait to get a little revenge on the, all the trash talking I had to endure last year. As always, thanks and gig em. What a What a game to have to lose and have everyone talk trash to you. Oh, gosh. All Vance Joseph's fault. Yep. Um, can we – we got to stop comparing Drew Locke and Paxton Lynch. <laughs> They're polar opposites. There's nothing about them that's alike. The only thing that you can compare is they both have strong arms, but Paxton Lynch didn't even have a quick strong arm. He had a long strong arm. Drew Locke – and I'll use it again. I use this word at the senior bowl, easy cheese. It just flies out of his hand. It never looked like that for Paxton Lynch. So don't compare them. It's, there's nothing, there's nothing like them. There's nothing similar about them. And Drew Locke will be fine learning how to play under center. He's a natural athlete and a quarterback and he'll be all right. Now, what about learning under center? You're, you're not concerned about that? Not at all. I'm not either. We saw him at the senior bowl. He was fine. But the Broncos are going to put him under center. They're not going to run a college-style offense for him. John Elway has been more adamant about that than anything else this offseason, about putting this system 
in place. He didn't care who he hired as offensive coordinator, Ryan. They were going to run this system. It didn't matter if they were taking someone in high school. As long as they ran this system, that's what they were doing. So they are not going to change that for Drew Locke. They're not going to change it for Joe Flacco. They're not going to change it for anyone. It's going to be this offense, but no team runs out of out of under center 100% of snaps. So you will get some shotgun. You're going to get more shotgun than I think. Um, you're going to get a lot of it. Yeah, you're going to get more than I think you want to see. I saw just in the little bit that we watched, they were working a lot in the shotgun, um, at least more than, than I think people will expect. The other thing is when Jimmy Garoppolo came to the 49ers, Rich Gangarello was tasked with putting together the package that is going to you know work for him. Well, he knew coming from New England, they ran mostly out of the shotgun. So he curated the offense, curated the offense to Jimmy G. And what did that entail? A lot of shotgun. So it's not that he thinks it's not that Rich Gangarello is like you can't ever play in the shotgun. He'll figure out a way that that gets Drew Lock under center so they can run the ball more, but also gets him in shotgun so he can get better looks. Exactly, exactly. Next one from Brian. He says, "Hey fellas, just a quick comment about arrival. We commented we commented about how the Chiefs put character aside when evaluating talent. Well, Jamal Charles just called it a career, and even though he was a pain in the, you could say it, ass." <laughs> He showed great character on and off the field and wish him the best post-NFL career. Absolutely. The best to uh, former Bronco, Jamal Charles. It's not as if every player on the Chiefs is a piece of trash, just a <laughs> higher percentage than most teams. Exactly. Patrick Mahomes seems like a pretty good guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Swedish Bronco quickly says, on a side note, we'll be a center in any fantasy leagues. Everyone who was around last year knows that, yes, we ran an insane fantasy league. That had 48 teams in it. Now, it wasn't all in one division because that would be crazy. Split into four divisions. Zach, how did you end up doing? Second. Second, baby. Second place. Not bad. Do you remember how the playoffs worked? Did you have to play teams from the other divisions? Is that how it worked? Yeah. Maybe I got second in my division, and then the winner of each division played each other in like a two-round thing, I think. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember how it worked, but um, Nacho Brad was in charge of it. He did an amazing job. And I talked to Lindsay, who is our director of sales, mm. about the idea of doing the BSN Open the weekend of the Fantasy Draft, wow. which we already know that the Fantasy Draft will once again be at Blake Street Tavern. Um, but I want to do the BSN Open, and we've partnered with quite a few golf courses, as you've probably heard here on the podcast. And she was all about it. So... I know we gave uh, Nacho Brad a little bit of crap last year for starting to plan too early, but we can probably never start planning this too early. <laughs> and you, you don't have to be a good golfer. We're just going to go out there and have fun and, and drink cold snacks. I'm going to I'm gonna beat you, though, Ryan. Not a chance. <laughs> probably not. Uh, anyways, Homegrown30 says, Hey, guys, long-time listener, first-time commenter. Welcome to the family. This is my first season following you guys, and I have to say that you did not disappoint. I live in Okinawa, Japan, Wow! and it can be difficult to keep up with my beloved Broncos, but your content, with your content, I've been better informed this year than any year before. If you feel the urge to travel the world, you need to make a stop in Japan and try all the amazing food here. Anything <laughs> from McDonald's to the mom and pop hole-in-the-wall ramen shops, everything here is exquisite and will leave you not only satisfied, but also make you realize just how tasteless a lot of the food in America can be. Anyways, on to football. Quickly, about tasteless food. <laughs> Why do we eat so much chicken breast here? You think it's tasteless? 
it's just way less tasty than chicken thighs. I I've I've never really noticed the difference between any of the chicken. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I recently stopped buying chicken breasts, especially because mm. I'm keto. Fat doesn't matter, and chicken thighs is a little bit fattier. Okay. If you make anything that you made with chicken breast with chicken thighs, it just tastes better. Are thighs brown meat? More brown? Yeah, they're darker meat, more fat. Mm. Chicken breast is like the leanest meat you can eat. So that's why I think a lot of people eat it. But the flavor is just so inferior <laughs> to chicken thighs. Anyways, that was just something I really... I, think, I, I, I don't remember ever going... I guess in Mexico, they use quite a bit of chicken breast. But they also use quite a bit of chicken thigh, too. Also, maybe the first time anyone's ever given a plug to McDonald's for being better outside the United States? I went to a McDonald's in Israel. Wow. And if you know anything about eating kosher, you're not allowed to have meat and dairy in the same meal, which does not uh, work for keto. Good thing I wasn't <laughs> keto back then. Um, and they're the only McDonald's in the entire world that uses fake cheese on their cheeseburgers. Wow. Wow. So that was one thing that was different about McDonald's in Israel. That's that's impressive. Which, by the way, incredible experience. Really, when my only time traveling like way out of the United States. The McDonald's in Prague were uh, they they were nicer, and, and they branded themselves as nicer. Uh, everything about them was nicer. In China, and maybe uh, Aaron Litvak can confirm this for us, but I, but I read I read an article about how in China they have a different type of pbr and it's like really expensive and considered like a delicacy in the beer <laughs> scene there I th- i've heard that maybe it was from you yeah i think it's actually called pabst blue reserve or something wow, like that. wow fancy probably tastes the same i don't know but pbr is good so i'll have stick you, with that have you forever. tried the new pbr the picture i sent you Mm-mm. what was it pbr it's like a uh turquoise can pbr something easy pbr something I can't drink PBR unless it's red, white, and blue, baby. (laughs) Um, And I also can't drink PBR on keto. (laughs) All right, he goes on. Let me try and figure out where I lost him. Anyways, on to football. I have to say I was a little tearful when Devin White went to the Buccaneers, though it wasn't a surprise when we got Fant. All I could think was, oh, no, not another blown draft class. Wow. (sighs) Like the ones we've experienced in the past with the exception of the 2018 class with all the potential studs like Chubb, Sutton, and everyone's favorite, Phil Lindsay. But when day two came around, I was jumping through the roof with excitement when we got uh, not only the much-needed help on the offensive line, but a top-tier quarterback prospect as well. What I'm wondering is what jersey numbers do you think this year's class is going to be wearing? I know Wadman has three, and Taylor had 87 last year. Curious on your thoughts. Thank you for the awesome content, and keep up the amazing work. It is insane how many comments we've had about jersey numbers. (laughs) It really is. People are... champing at the bit (laughs) chomping. people are chomping at the bit uh yeah jordan taylor will not be wearing number 87 uh noah fant will be wearing 87 and we know juan winfrey will be wearing tim tebow's 15 uh jordan taylor may be wearing number 87 it's just for a different team yeah yes exactly probably up in minnesota i think he's already there isn't he oh he he is up in minnesota (laughs) yeah um okay so i think we've done this exercise one before but we'll just do it again Fant, 87, Reisner, 66, Locke, I kind of hope Wadman holds on to three and forces Locke to choose one. Um, We said Justin Hollins, oh no, Draymond Jones, 94, 
That's a good one. Justin Hollins, we'll say 54. Yeah, sure. Um, and Juwan Winfrey's 15. Yep, and the only ones we know for sure are the first and the last, Fant and Juwan. Why? Why is that? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, shouldn't there already be Drew Locke's jerseys in the store? They're probably just waiting for the ample time to drop it. It was... It's already passed. It was right <laughs> after he was picked. Yeah, you're right. Kyler Murray number one jerseys are already flying off the shelves. Maybe Colby, Colby Wadman is just a hard negotiator with that three. Don't give it up, Colby. <laughs> Stand strong. Make Drew Locke take number one. <laughs> Man, that'd be, that'd be good. All right, from Nialo. What's up, guys? Tom Mc... Oh, I wanted to talk about this today. Todd McShay's way too early first round predictions came out. Uh, and on the preview of it, I can't view the whole thing because I don't have ESPN+. Plus. BSN is the only sports subscription I'll purchase. Good <laughs> McShay has uh, Denver drafting Grant Delfit, a safety out of LSU. Da, 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 At pick number three. <laughs> Miami number one with Tua. Arizona number two with Jerry Judy, the wide receiver from Alabama. And the Broncos at pick number three taking a safety. Yeah, actually, Ryan, it was on the TV uh, right before we started this podcast, and we couldn't believe it. I mean, we don't know if that's Todd McShay making that or if there's some prediction site that they use, but woof, that is damning. I mean, we talked about how five and eleven was bad and six and ten was bad. That's what four and twelve. Yeah, Woo-hoo. or worse. So how bad is Joe Flacco, according to whatever ESPN uses? I have no clue what's happening. No clue. Because you're not trading up to get to get uh, to get this Grant Delfit, are you? You're not trading multiple first round picks. No, and why would you draft a safety at number three overall? <laughs> what's going on here? Anyways. What's what's worse, drafting a safety or being three overall? safety because being three overall has a lot of value to it it does all right he says is mcshay an absolute moron or is he just predicting an absolute doomsday scenario for denver where absolutely nothing goes right i don't get this logic here if denver regresses that badly which i don't see how we could based on the last two drafts how could we pick a safety at number three when we clearly have more pressing needs just curious on your guys take on this one as it seems absolute lunacy to me yeah i completely agree with you uh it seems baffling and ryan the question is if the broncos are sitting there at three do you draft a quarterback Hmm. how much of the future is drew lock okay so you went four and twelve we're saying yeah drew lock had to have seen the field right right that's what i'm saying so you already know drew lock you better have played eight games honestly if you were two and six (laughs) through the first eight it's time to play drew lock yes so you have an evaluation there. Now that means you also went two and six in the last eight with Drew Locke under center. Uh, and maybe you found out that he wasn't the guy. I don't know. I don't even like talking about this because I think it's garbage. <laughs> to me, I think the Broncos are a seven and nine to nine and seven team with, with a little bit of um, outlier type stuff that can sway it one way or another. Maybe they go 10 and six. Maybe they go six and 10. The only thing that makes sense in all of this is that, just somehow the Broncos go seven and nine and get the third overall pick. Ah, uh, yes, because <laughs> everyone in the league wins more games than is possible. There's two zero and sixteen teams, and the rest are seven and nine, and the Broncos just happen to own the tiebreakers. 
Don't think that's how it works. <laughs> he finishes by saying, by the way, debating on buying a Reisner or a Locke jersey. The correct answer is probably just to get both right. Hard to pick between the awesome hometown kid storyline, which would also be my first offensive lineman jersey ever, and our potential quarterback for the next 25 years based on how long these quarterbacks play nowadays. Cheers and go Broncos. I'm going Locke with that just because an offensive lineman's got to be got to be great for that jersey to to be good. I'm not a believer in projecting on jersey on buying jerseys. Because it's not like you get a discount for them being a rookie. But Ryan, these guys they pay their hard-earned money to be subscribers and ask this question. Who is it? Locke or Reisner. If you got to pick one, you're going to take Locke because at least he's going to have a cool number. <laughs> um, but I don't believe, I just don't believe in draft and getting rookie jerseys unless they've already blown up. Like Philip Lindsay, after he had like three great games, go ahead and get it. But I, I'm just not a believer in buying non sure things. I would pick a guy who is definitely great who has three years on his contract. So who? Philip Lindsay. It's only got two years left on that ah, contract, whatever. baby. Hey, he'll be here forever. <laughs> um, see who else has three years left on their contract. Bradley Chubb? Sure. Yeah, that's another one that I would go get. Von Miller? Von Miller, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, don't get Von Miller. It's too cliche. Everyone's got it. Um, but yeah, if you got to get one, get luck. Yeah. Next one from the legendary Tim E. Hey, boys, the Broncos seem to have crushed the draft, and you guys crushed the coverage in regards to calling the Broncos the donkeys. My Denver fandom comes from my grandpa working on the Broncos' medical staff during the AFL years and my dad growing up in Denver. They've both always called the Broncos the donkeys, and I love it. Seems to be a weird, long-standing tradition. Keep up the two-hour pods with whatever you guys want to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, see, I like it when it's used as a term of endearment. Yeah. Um, it's just other teams try to use it as a term of insult. <laughs> and I think actually embracing the term of endearment side of it makes them look stupid. It does. From the OG MVP, I know it's not exactly the same, but I was watching draft day and I feel like Denver had a little bit of magic, just like the movie with this year's draft. We end up with three first round talents with our first three picks. What do y'all think? Also, do you feel that middle linebacker is our biggest weakness right now, or is it another position? Yes, and yes to both of your questions. Yeah, the Broncos got lucky. Uh, With both of those guys, with Dalton falling and with Locke falling, I truly do believe, John, when he said that those were their top two guys on the board entering day two. Yeah, I agree. And with the second part, yes, middle linebacker is the biggest weakness. It's crazy because last year we thought, okay, Josie Jewell is going to step up, but it's just, it doesn't fit. It makes no sense. It makes none. It doesn't make any sense, especially when he's next to Todd Davis. Todd Davis, look, he's a really solid football player in the middle of the football field. But with Vic, you need, with anyone, with any defensive coordinator, you need a at least a Brandon Marshall next to him, a faster guy. In Vic's defense, you need, we thought at least, you need a speedster that can do it all, then Todd is fine. Then you, you don't have two needs at inside linebacker. You just have one. But it, if, if you don't have either, or if, if you don't get that guy, then it just makes both of those spots weak. And no offense to Josie because he's just like Todd. But that's what hurts him is he's just like Todd. Exactly. Uh, yeah, they got to do something there. I have no idea what it's going to be, but I think they got to do something. All right. Rich dude comes in here and says, I get that Locke is great with media and teammates and I'm glad we got him in the second, but I don't understand the hype. 
I've watched a ton of his games, and not once does he step up in the pocket. My fear is he's eaten alive by outside rushers the same way Paxton was. How did you – did Paxton even play enough to get <laughs> eaten alive by outside rushers? I'm hoping for the best, but I don't see what everyone else does. Maybe more so like Trevor. Instead of stepping up, he ran outside and just straight into outside pass rushers. Um, and Locke is a lot more mobile than Trevor. Uh, and also, Locke, there's a reason he fell to 42. There's things that he can still work on in his game, and one of those John Elway pointed to is footwork and technique. Footwork is not just working on, you know, dropping back from under center, but it's understanding kind of just inherently that you step up in the pocket when that pressure comes. He's not a perfect quarterback, or Ryan, with, with his leadership, with his intangibles, with the it fact, with his physical tools, he would have gone number one overall or number two overall if the Cardinals were set on Kyler. So he does have things to work about work with. I just think that that's something he's going to be able to work on. This is where the Jay Cutler comparison, born by me, was founded. Mm. Jay Cutler was uh, not the king of stepping up in the pocket. He was the king of using his arm strength to get throws there quickly without even having to start step up in the pocket. And that's what was actually awesome about Jay Cutler coming out. Now, he never developed um, being very good at stepping up in the pocket, and maybe Drew Locke never does either. But even with that, his arm enabled him to make throws without having to step up in the pocket. Drew, in a perfect world, will learn that you're going to be able to deliver better throws if you take a step forward. But the reason I started talking about those two guys in the same light is, one, they look alike, and two, they're really good at throwing off of their back foot. Now, again, you don't want that all the time. It also creates situations where you might get a pass there that you wouldn't have got there otherwise. Um, it especially happens up the seam. When a, when a guy comes open up the seam, your time to get it there before they figure it out and send a safety over there is short. And, and Cutler used to do it, and Locke does it all the time. He sees him and just flips it, and they can hit him in stride. So a lot of work to do, but that's actually where I started that comparison. And why are they able to both do that? It's because, as Drew Locke would say, they both have hoses. He's got a hose. Last one, buzzer beater, coming in from Ooh Benny Lavi. says, hey, guys, quick question about your approach to covering mini camps and training camp. Do you think that you will have a more critical eye this year in terms of how the quarterback is performing? After last year and listening to you guys gush about how amazing Keenum was performing, I was expecting a top 10 finish for the offense at the very least. I don't think that you guys lied to us about Keenum's performance. I think that he lied to you guys with what he was doing. Is that more of just a situation where the defense is at a disadvantage so the offense looks better than it really does? Or was our defense just not that good last year, and that was the first sign? Thanks, my dudes. Uh, it's a mixture of everything. And I'll be honest, we couldn't have had a critical eye on Case Keenum. <laughs> he was perfect in training camp. I mean, flat out perfect. He wasn't missing throws. I, I, I'll never be able to explain to you guys what it looked like from our eyes and then seeing it even in week one against the Seahawks when he threw three picks. I was like, this, I, I've never seen him do this. Ryan, I'll never forget the tweet that I had. What, 17 practices of training camp or something? It was literally like the 14th training camp practice. I tweeted out, it's been 14 days and Case Keenum has not had an interception. Patrick Mahomes just threw four interceptions in a 15-minute span. 
And that's just what was going on last year at training camp. And and you you uh, you tweeted a, a gif back on it of some guy eating popcorn. And you said, I'm just waiting for the responses to roll in. And that was just a fact that I tweeted out. And, of course, Chiefs fans absolutely oh, yeah. were crazy and projecting. And you know what? It looks ridiculous now. But that wasn't me saying I think Case Keenum's better than Patrick Mahomes. That was me saying Case Keenum has been lights out. And Patrick Mahomes has been who we thought he was going to be. Yeah, and then he turned out to not be that, and they flipped <laughs> once the season started. But um, so I get what you're saying. I think what, what what we learned is that training camp isn't the best projector of how things are going to go during the season. And I think it was a little bit of Case Keenum performing way better than he did in the season, a little bit of the defense being not as good as we thought they were, a little bit of Cortland Sutton being a freak – and not doing that on Sundays. Um, and it was just, it, you just start counting them up and adding them up. Uh, and it, it was a perfect storm for us to be way too high on Case Keenum. Uh, it sucked. I, I hated it when it was happening during the season. But I think what we'll learn is to say, okay, we can't look at what Joe Flacco does in training camp and say, uh, you know, the Broncos are going to be a top 10 offense. And, and we, we can't also see Joe Flacco or Drew Locke come out and just carve up the defense for two straight weeks and say, uh, not impressed. We're, we're going to have to tell you guys how it is, but also take a step back. Yeah, I think we just have to realize that everything has to be taken with a grain of salt. But we'll still tell the stories of, you know, Drew Locke's 75-yard air bomb <laughs> because those are fun. That's what makes training camp fun. Yep. And we'll find a way to uh, – we can't report stats in training camp. We'll find a way to, to make sure you guys know exactly how it went down. We always find a way. <laughs> Just like Livewell always finds a way. Livewell Enlightened Health is your go-to dispensary for the best deals on the highest quality cannabis products. Members of Livewell's free rewards program have access to $30 pre-weigh half ounces and $60 pre-weigh ounces every single day. Livewell has 16 locations in the Colorado area from the Four Corners all the way up to Fort Collins with six locations in the Denver area. Visit livewell.com slash bsn. For all the most up-to-date sales and promotions, that's LiveWell, L-I-V-W-E-L-L.com slash BSN. That is going to wrap it up for us today. Unless you have any final thoughts on the podcast, Zach, he's shaking his head no. So we will be back with you tomorrow on the BSN Broncos podcast. Make sure you subscribe to BSN Denver if you're one of those freeloaders. And to the rest of you, we love you, and we love you too, even if you're a freeloader. But we'll talk to you tomorrow. It's getting me down.